Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. So go to, go to Genesis 26. I, I didn't really have a title and I sent Reuben. Can we actually just thank Reuben and the media team and the great guys up there? They do such a phenomenal job. Literally on a Wednesday morning, I send him, you know, like it, just before we're about to get up, I send him the notes and the points and they always have it, have it ready. But uh, it was really interesting one week ago, well, last Friday, we closed on what was the Salvation Army property. And if you know anything, this was, this was kind of like the, 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 the faith miracle back there in 2013, we were believing for our own central campus. We'd, we'd bought up in Bresse, but, you know, we were believing for this one. And uh, when we got in, it was, it was a miracle. It was amazing. And, but, you know, we were leasing it. We weren't owning. And so we were buying buildings for every other location except our central campus. Back then it was central. And from central, all the other campuses really were, were fed and everything kind of grew out of here. And, uh, and so we've been on this literally a 10-year test to, to get. And then 10 years later, we actually close on our own property. But I thought it was interesting that it used to be the Salvation Army headquarters. And then uh, Pastor Leanne just kind of did a little bit of a, a, little bit of a dive into William Booth. And, uh, and so today I'm going to just show you a number of quotes from William Booth. But before we go there, go to Genesis 26, 12. Genesis 26, 12 says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Come on, how many people know we serve a God of the hundredfold blessing? And the Lord blessed him. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. That verse is in there just to trigger all the... All the anti-prosperity people, the man began to prosper until he, and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. God's like, how else do you want me to say it? <laughs> For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants so that the Philistines just loved him. So that the Philistines envied him. So they envied him. Now watch verse 15. Now... The Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with the earth. They filled them with the earth. So because of Jacob's, uh, excuse me, because of Isaac's prosperity and because of the blessing of the Lord and the increase on Isaac, the Philistines get jealous and what they did was they were determined that they were going to sabotage what God was blessing by filling up the wells. Because all the cattle, all the herds, all the livestock, all the produce needed water to survive. So they filled up the wells. If you, if you know anything about Genesis 26, it says, And Isaac dug again the wells of his father Abraham. Isaac dug again the wells of his father Abraham. 
when I was reading this in my quiet time a couple of weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, here's a picture of the one generational church. The one generational church. Because it says that this is, this is Isaac. His daddy was Abraham. Abraham dug wells. The wells brought life. The wells brought prosperity. The wells brought a flow, a spring. And in one generation, the, the enemy, the devil, the Philistines has already blocked up the wells so that the next generation seemingly has to start all over again. And, and, I, and I felt like it was a picture of the church that so, so many churches are one generational and it's because the next generation doesn't know how to dig up, how to redig the wells of their father Abraham. So a few years ago, we did a 40-day fast and, and uh, in the January and God said that this 40-day fast, you're digging wells, three wells, wells of prosperity. The people come in broke, but they prosper here. Wells from barrenness to fruitfulness and wells where we terminate terminal, where terminal, there would be a, just a flow in this house, three flows, that these were wells and that we were digging again wells that were dug by previous generations in California. California was 1906, was the, 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 the uh, up in Azusa Street, the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then in the 60s was the charismatic movement of healings and miracles. And, uh, and, and fruitfulness. And so there was all these moves of God and these were wells that the devil stops up. But we're the generation that redigs the wells. So I was, I was thinking in context of this and then uh, Leanne uh, f- kind of found 30 quotes by William Booth. And as I began to look through the quotes by William Booth, I began to realize that William Booth, who started the Salvation Army, was actually an awakened pastor. So we're going to look at some of these quotes. So let's go to the, the, the first one I think I sent. The first one. God loves with a great love the man whose heart is bursting with a passion for the impossible. Like if, if that's not us, I don't know what is. Come on. If you're not bursting with a heart for the impossible. Because if you look at the Salvation Army today, they were like, you know, they, they shut down. We, were, we did a tour of the building and there was like every, every door had social distance, wash your hands, make sure you're masked up. You know, it was like, what happened to the impossible? Go to the next one. I consider the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. How many people know he was prophetic? He was prophetic because if you look at it, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Like when, when we came here, the advice, the counsel that we got was, listen, we kind of did a little bit of research on you. If you want to build a big church in San Diego, don't go Holy Spirit. Doesn't work here, doesn't land here. This is a Calvary Chapel stronghold. Don't go Holy Spirit. And, uh, and as you know, we decided to do the exact opposite to what the locals were telling us. Because I thought, you know, if, if it ain't flowing for you, then God didn't bring us all the way here to just repeat what you're not doing. God brought us here to give them what you're not providing and people need an encounter with the Holy Ghost. So 
religion without the Holy Ghost. So people needed a power encounter with the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ, it was amazing. So Christ, Christ is Messiah. You know, it, it's not the new woke invented Jesus where Jesus is your non-judgmental friend who's just there to mop up your mess and just doesn't judge you, just loves on you. And it's Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, the Healer, the Deliverer, Christ, the Lord, forgiveness without repentance. Do you know that you can only be delivered to the level of your repentance? You cannot be delivered from something you're unrepentant of. So I can't believe I, I hear preaching and it, it grieves me. Preaching by people saying that you don't need to repent. You know, you just need Jesus. You don't need to repent. And, and absolutely, maybe to be saved, you just need to receive Jesus. Maybe, just, maybe to be saved, you just need Jesus. But if you want to live free, I have found anything that I'm unrepentant of, I will not be free in. I cannot be delivered from that which I refuse to repent of. When I repent, grace flows. God has grace. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. There is grace available. But what turns the faucet for that grace to flow is my repentance. So we have no problem preaching the truth and commanding men everywhere, women, to repent. Like repent and be ye saved. Somebody say amen. It's a little quiet in here. All right. Uh, Salvation without regeneration. Salvation without regeneration. I thought, man, that's just awesome. Salvation without regeneration. In other words, you know, I, I, he's preaching to us. It's like we're, we're not just a, a salvation church. Yay. You know, we're this many souls saved. And we're, we're not here to say, we're here to make disciples. Now, obviously, it's easier to disciple someone who gets saved. So we've got to get them saved first. But we're here for regeneration, which is awkward because it's difficult conversations. We don't look to gifts. We look to fruit. We look at the fruit of somebody's life. Well, at this other church, I was an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I operated in signs. And went, yeah, but the fruit of your life is it's a freaking train wreck. So we're not letting you anywhere near anybody. Go, go, and, go and start against, you know, mop the floors. And if you can be faithful there, then maybe we'll, we'll, we'll look for fruit. And I love it. Politics without God. It's like, dear Jesus, he's preaching to us. I don't like a weakened church. They're, they're politically engaged. You're darn right. And we're only going to ramp up. Because when you have politics without God, it's a dangerous thing for a nation. The, the founding fathers wanted the, the church to not be a state-run church because then it would be subject to the state. They didn't want the state to fund the church or establish the church or have any control over the church because they recognized the church had to be independent because the church was the moral conscience, was the voice of God to the people in political office. The people in political office are meant to answer to God. God is the highest in the land, not the state. So whenever you hear these idiots talk about the separation of church and state, they will try and do this, that the state is over the church. No, no, no. The, if there's any separation, it's because the state is subject to the church. The state deals with the temporal. The church deals with the eternal. And the temporal is always subject to the eternal. The eternal is greater. Somebody say amen. And then heaven without hell. Man, I just love that. All right. Uh, 
There is a great quote. Most Christians would like to send their recruits to Bible college for five years. I would like to send them to hell for five minutes. That would do more than anything else to prepare them for a lifetime of compassionate ministry. How many people like William Booth already? Who could see William Booth as like he's part of the awakened team? All right, here's one of my favorite ones. I am not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. I'm not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. You know, it was really funny. Even over 2020, 2021, I'm speaking with some, you know, some, you know, kind of stalwarts from, from Australia, some great ministers. And they're like, yeah, we're just believing God for revival. We're just, you know, praying for revival. And then it was so interesting. I felt, I just felt like almost like this check in my spirit, like, I've known these people for 10, 20, 30 years and they're still praying for revival. And there's nothing wrong with praying for revival. And I just felt God say to me, you're in revival. So they're shouting, God send revival, God send revival. And God's like, no, no, I send everything. Like, all right, hang on, let me. I came down from heaven, clothed as a human, born as a baby in a stable, in a manger, grew up. At 12, I recognized I have to be about my father's business. At 30, I started preaching. 33, I was crucified on a cross, whipped, flogged, crown of thorns, died, rose again on the third day. For 40 days appeared, teaching you many things about the kingdom. Then I ascended, sat at the right hand of the father. And when I got there, tag said, Holy Ghost, you're it. Sent him into the earth and he filled you with power. Sorry, now what else, what, what, what else do you want me to do for you? I've... I think it's your turn. I think it's, I've done, I've saved your sorry keisters. I've washed you. I've cleansed you. I've delivered you. I've sent the Holy Ghost to be with you, to empower you. I think it might be your turn. Go and be revival. People are waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. Come on, let's be a move of God. How many people know that we we just get on with it? Go into all the world and make disciples. Like we're just... You will find that as we just obey the Great Commission, we're in revival. Go and make disciples. Amen. All right, this is the one that I sent to the, um, to the colonel when they decided they weren't going to sell the building to uh, Awaken. They sold it to a developer. Can we go too fast in saving souls? If anyone still wants a reply, let him ask the soul, the lost souls in hell. So when when they decided, first of all, they put us in a bidding war with a developer, which was I think was very cruel. And uh, but God, God's going to redeem all the, you know, all the money that we've had to spend. But uh, but then right at the last minute, almost out of spite, they decided we're going to sell it to a developer. So I wrote a letter to, to the colonel and, uh, and I put that scripture in there. I thought, I'm going to quote William Booth. And I said, you know, San Diego doesn't have any zoning for churches. To get, to get zoning for a church, to, to, you, have to, you have to rezone. And sometimes it's cost us over a million dollars, sometimes up to two years of battling with the city to rezone because they don't want to lose tax revenue. And I said, and here you are, this land that's holy ground. 
that for 30 pieces of silver, you'll sell to a developer who cares only for profit, cares nothing for the kingdom. Wasn't it your founding father? William Booth has said, can we go too fast in the saving of souls? If anyone still wants to reply, let him ask the lost souls in hell. And uh, so anyway, so maybe that had a little bit of a tweak. Maybe that had a little bit of an influence on him. But he sounds like an awakened guy. I like, I like William Booth. All right, next one. Before we go to our knees to receive the baptism of fire, let me beg of you to see to it that your souls are in harmony with the will and the purpose of the Holy Spirit whom you seek. So I love that. So he's not talking about, see, he, like, he, he was like baptizing the Holy Ghost, moving in power. He's like, hang on, before we go f- for that baptism of fire, make sure that your heart, like power, purpose, posture. Power, purpose, posture. Like in this church, we believe in the power of God. We believe that God wants to show you your divine purpose, but then we posture ourselves to make sure that our heart's right. That we're living a life that is holy, living a life that is devoted, living a life that is consecrated. So you'll notice here that that religion isn't a friend of holiness. Religion fakes holiness. Religion is fig leaves. It pretends that it's holy, but it's not. Religion is often man's attempt to, hey, I've got this. I'm holy God. So... So we're, we, we, we love having fun. We love doing life real. But at the same time, we recognize that we have altars. We recognize that we have the word. We recognize that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I can't tell you how many altar calls I've been on, and I'm the senior pastor of the church. Because, you know, it wasn't when I got credentialed that all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, I no longer sweat, perspire. I don't even need toothpaste anymore. There's no such thing as cavities. They just fall off because I'm a man of God. (laughs) That I'm not tempted by sin anymore. I don't have any issues. I recognize that even though I'm, I'm, you know, anointed, appointed, whatever, that I still have the same proclivities and the same issues that God wants to deal. And leadership is leading by example. So we recognize that the most beautiful thing that we can do is create an environment where everybody is pursuing God and everybody, nobody is hiding their sin behind their fig leaves, but everybody's coming to the altar, everyone's saying, God, crying out to God, everyone's believing. Can you pray with me? Man, I'm just caught up in this. I'm just struggling with this. Man, I need breakthrough in this area. I I, I just love, before we go to our knees to receive the baptism, let, let me beg of you to see to it that your souls are in harmony with the will and the purpose of the Holy Spirit whom you seek. I love that. All right, you got a couple more? Okay. Uh, To get a man, I love this one. To get a man soundly saved, it is not enough to put on him a pair of new breeches, to give him regular work or even to give him a university education. These things are all outside a man. And if the inside remains unchanged, you have wasted your labor. You must in some way or other graft upon the man's nature a new nature which has in it the element of the divine. 
I love that because that's what discipleship is. That's what Awaken You is, Pastor Alex. That's what we're doing. It's, it's not about just changing the outside. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Greetings and how you t- it's, it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. Do we see change? And you'll always know by the fruit. That's why, that's why in, in this church, we don't care about the gift and the pizzazz and all the show and all the external. We look for fruit. We look for discipleship. We look for character, developing character. Number five, I love this. This is why I believe that William Booth was a, a, an awakened pastor. Some of my best men. Some of my best men are women. Some of my best men are women. Do you know he was like censured and criticized and literally branded as a heretic by the other pastors and the other ministers because he empowered women, put women in the pulpit, put women on the platform, released women into ministry. And when they confronted him about why he would do that, when the Apostle Paul said that women should learn in silence with all submission, which, you know, Paul might have had. Just kidding. And uh, his response was, but some of my best men are women. I love that. And, you know, if I, if I was honest, I would say in... Awakened church, some of our best men are women. Isn't that true? I'm telling you, some of our best men are women. Like we have, it's just extraordinary. It's exceptional. Pastor Becky, at the end of her very, very kind birthday wishes, starts, can't help but steps into the prophetic where she's saying, pastor to the nation, pastor... And you could see that authority coming on her. I'm like, my God, like she's a, she's a prophetess. Pastor Stacy Capaldi, just wherever we send her. Shelly Griever is like turning the world upside down. Katie Yeager, Leishy Williams, shut the gate. Kayla Ray Valentine, are you kidding me? Pastor Summer Peterson. I mean, all of our buildings look amazing. All of our events are extraordinary. Summer Peterson. Tonight I'm with the, uh, the beautiful Hunleys and, you know, what, what a couple. What, what great pastors. Lisa and Michael Hundley are just exceptional. We have the greatest women. Katie Duth, like, can you imagine Samuel without Katie? Shell of a man. Shell of a man. He'd, stu- he'd still be just collecting rocks. We have the most extraordinary, come on, let's just give a, give a round of applause to our amazing ladies. Beautiful Kat Sullivan. Our incredible HR manager. Come on, let's honor our ladies. Some of our best men are our women. Led so wonderfully, wonderfully from the front. Like, how many, I'm, just, just that there, I'm just so grateful so grateful to, to go to a church that is not misogynist or disparaging or, you know, doesn't... Because you've got to use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And so they, when you isolate a Scripture, you're always in danger of error. So I love that in this church, women can flourish. Women can flourish. There's no, there's no ceiling. The Bible says that there, there is no... Uh, 
uh, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, all are one in Christ Jesus. Yet in most churches, well, yeah, we know that's, but here, silly. Silly. All right. Uh, I don't even know what I was up to. Here we go. All right, the next one. The next one, uh, if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army today, it is because God has had all of the adoration of my heart, all of the power of my will, and all of the influence of my life. Man, what a devotion. I would say that that is kind of like, that was the driving force of, of you know, when, when I was in Bible college. Yeah, I remember hearing a statement that the world is yet to see the impact of what one man totally devoted to God would produce. I will be that man. I remember just that was so inspiring, but I would say that that undergirds everything. There's another one that goes with that that he quotes. He says, I will tell you the secret. God has had all. God has had all that there, there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I even with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and caught a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with me and them, on that day I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth there was. And if there is anything of power in the Salvation Army, it is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. Wow, wow, wow. All right. Faith and works should travel side by side, step answering to step, like the legs of a man walking. First faith, then works, then faith again, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which one, which is the one and which is the other. I love that. Faith and works. Faith and works. You know, the, we, we've, we've experienced over the years, you know, and it's... It, I find it awkward to even talk with some of these people. They're still believing God for a building. Hey, man, you know, we're just believing God. We're believing God. You know, we're in faith, past. We're in faith. Hey, pray with us. Believe with us for a building. And I'm, I'm like, I don't even want to tell them, hey, we just, did you guys get another building? Um, yeah, yeah. How many is that that you're up to? I don't know, like 14. It's like, it's because they have faith. It's like work. A lot of people don't like work because it's a four-letter word ending in K. Faith. Like, how many people can see William Booth is like, I honestly don't believe it's a coincidence. And that's why I'm kind of sharing this today. I don't believe it's a coincidence that of all the, the churches in San Diego, that this prize was, was entrusted to awaken. I, I felt like the Lord was looking that he had this magnificent servant who's now in heaven called William Booth and God was looking for a congruency in the city a congruency in the city of somebody that has his heart has his values, has his devotion that would redig the wells that they had Father, redig the wells, redig the wells re that the flow that they had they literally turned the world upside down come on, how many people know that that's that's where we're headed. <laughs> All right. A man's labor, number eight, a man's labor is not his capital, but his life. 
When it passes, it returns nevermore. To utilize it, to prevent its wasteful squandering, to enable the poor man to bank it up for use hereafter, this surely is one of the most urgent tasks before civilization. Basically what he's talking about, he's talking about pathfinders. He's talking about prosperity. He's talking about blessing. He's talking about teaching people how to flourish, how to prosper, how to build wealth, how to establish wealth, how to use wealth to, 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 to establish the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Amen. Uh, all right, let's, let me go to, all right. Oh, this is my favorite. Secular music, do you say, belongs to the devil? Does it? Well, if it did, I would plunder him for it. For he has no right to a single note of the whole seven. Every note and every strain and every harmony is divine and belongs to belongs to us. Come on, somebody. Like when I I got I literally got goosebumps when I read that because I thought you know, hero and twisted. I got a letter from somebody rebuking me saying, did you know that hero didn't have one Christian song in it? I'm like, that's the point. How can you use secular songs? You were using these bands, ACDC, you were using these bands that are satanic bands. I'm like, exactly. Because, and then I've, I had no idea that we're redigging the wells. That secular music, do you say, belongs to the devil? Does it? Well, if it did, I would plunder him. Come on, how many people just thank God that we're plundering the devil? Kick the devil's ass and take the good music. Amen. For he has no right to a single note of the whole seven. Every note, every strain, every harmony is divine and belongs to us. Come on, give God a praise. All right, it gets even better. This quote, this quote rocked me because I'm like, shut the gate. This is how we got our name. Look at this. We must wake ourselves up. This is William Booth speaking to the Salvation Army. We must wake ourselves up. Everyone say awaken. We must wake ourselves up or somebody else will take our place and bear our cross and thereby rob us of our crown. This is William Booth speaking. Every single movement starts with fire and then settles. And then it goes into management and then into mediocrity and then it pales. Here's what I found about the cutting edge. The edge keeps moving. You may have been on the edge yesterday, but the edge moves. And before you know it, you're playing safety. We must wake ourselves. Awaken. Here's this phenomenal facility, no longer doing what the founding father, no longer carrying the spirit, no longer carrying the DNA, no longer redigging the wells of the founding father, just happy to, to skirt on the coattails of what he established. And God says, it's a new day in the city of San Diego. It's a new day. I need someone congruent. I need someone who'll dig again the wells. We must wake ourselves awaken or somebody else will take our place, bear our cross, and thereby rob us of our crown. This one's a, this one, I only got two more. There are men so incorrigibly lazy. This is awesome. If you're in pastoral care, if 
you're a pastor or a leader, this is one of my favorite quotes. Because one of the, one of the saddest things about the woke, Jesus just loves everybody, you know, is, is uh, that they drifted away from what we call the doctrine of, of wickedness, the doctrine of sin. That the, we're not to judge if, if somebody can or can't be saved. We, we're to believe that, you know, everyone can be saved. But we also know that the wicked are, the, are wicked because they refuse. They refuse to be saved. They refuse to come to Christ. They refuse. So there are people who are wicked who will not be saved. It's not for us to judge. That's between God and them. We're to preach the gospel. But but there's a, there's a lie that oh, everyone can be saved and Jesus wants to save everybody, universalism. So watch this. This is William Booth. <clears throat> there are men so incorrigibly lazy that no inducement that you can offer will tempt them to work. So eaten up by vice that virtue is abhorrent to them. And so inveterately dishonest that theft is to them a master passion. When a human being has reached that stage, there is only one course that can be rationally pursued. Sorrowfully, but remorselessly, it must be recognized that he has become lunatic, morally demented, incapable of self-government, and that upon him therefore must be passed the sentence of permanent seclusion from a world in which he is not fit to be at large. This is a man who fought for the poor, fought for the home. This is a man, Salvation Army, ring the bell at Christmas, put money in there, feed the homeless. Same man, because he understood, he recognized the doc, doctrine of wickedness, the, the unregenerate, the reprobate, men who would not surrender, who would not give their hearts to Christ. He said, don't even waste your time. And then the last one, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. When I read that, it so rocked me. And God, the Holy Spirit just began to show me pictures of leaving engineering, going to Bible college, being in Bible college in, in my room with my guitar, just worshiping, being on an altar call, saying, God, send me, I'll go wherever you send me. And then it goes, it's Manukau City. And if I was honest with you, my life has, has been punctuated by points where the Holy Spirit said, oh, you said you surrender all, I surrender all. And it's like, okay, well then what about, oh, well, I didn't mean that all. I mean like this, I mean. Whenever the Holy Ghost comes and asks for surrender, it's only because He's trying to get more power to you. The level of power is the level of surrender. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Oh, yeah, go ahead, give, give the Lord a praise. How, how awesome is... I don't think it's any coincidence, Pastor John. No coincidence. No coincidence in the kingdom. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Why don't you just surrender again? Surrender all again. Surrender all again. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord God, for what William and Catherine Booth did. We know that they shook the world. Father, when we got to New Zealand, when I got there in 1991, I heard the legend 
of the Salvation Army sent two young men, not even 21 years of age as yet. And when they got to New Zealand, they didn't realize New Zealand was two islands, a North Island and a South Island. So they flipped a coin. One went to the North Island, the other one went to the South Island. And they would meet up three years later, see how they went. And after three years, after three years, they started over a hundred churches between them and changed the Christian landscape of New Zealand. Such was the fire. Such was the anointing. Such was the passion of the Salvation Army. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for a new generation rising. We thank you for a generation that redigs the wells, redigs the wells. We are Isaac. Do you know what Isaac means? Laughter. Do you know what we, we get accused of? Laughing too much, having too much fun. When people say that, just say, yeah, I know. Well, we're Isaac digging again the wells of our father Abraham. We'll have the same flow, but we'll keep the laughter. Thank you. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for these beautiful people. Father, if there's any, any, any blockage between us and you, Father, we repent of it today. We turn from it today. We break the power of any sin and iniquity today and we surrender to you. Lord, do what you did with William Booth. Do it again in our lives today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.